Thank you for tuning in to the Unjiggered Podcast. If you enjoy listening, please consider subscribing and giving us a rating on your podcast service of choice. Also, don't forget to like and tag us on Instagram at unjiggered underscore media. Thank you to everybody for listening, and now, on with the show. You're listening to Unjiggered, a bartender podcast where we interview highly successful bartenders about their careers, lives, and the passion of bartending. This week, we chat with Le Cocktail Connoisseur. We talk about his definition of influencers, why he started the top 500 bar list, and he gives advice on how to manage your social media accounts. With this podcast, we want to peel back the mask and discover just how the greats really became the greats. So sit back and enjoy. Hi, I'm Anthony. I run with my partner, Melave, who unfortunately can't be with us today. The blog, The Cocktail Connoisseur, and our new uh, project, Top 500 Bars. And I'm very happy to be invited by our friend from uh, Angie Girl Podcast. So, how's Singapore treating you so far? So far, so good. I would say, as usual, because it's not our first time here in uh, in, in Singapore, it just maybe it's going to be more challenging on the long run because we are here only for a few days. So we try to say hi to different friends who runs bar and discover new bars. So I'm not quite sure my liver would say the same. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, so far so good. We have very good time with very nice people as usual here. Did you manage to spend some quality time in the bars that you wanted to see? Most of them have... There is too many bars, so mm-hmm. that's 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 the issue. But uh, yeah, mainly I think uh, we have done what we uh, what we wanted to do. So yeah, that was a good few days so far. When's the last time you were in Singapore? Last year. And uh, have you noticed any changes over the past twelve months? Yeah, what I think. But first, there is more bar, new bars, and what we really like with Singapore, and that's what we always said with Mel for the last three four years. Is for us, Singapore is the city regarding um, cocktail for the industry. They are more innovative than even London, because I know everyone thinks London is the place to be. We really think Singapore is different because most of the time in Europe, so we are based in Paris, when one type of buy works, you have several bars going to be exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Here, you're in Singapore, there is one type of bar, People just decide, say, oh, amazing. I'm going to open my own bar, but with my own personality. Every bar is really different, innovative, working hard in their own way. And that's what we love with uh, Singapore. You get to travel a a fair bit. Uh, You mentioned the two big hubs, uh, London and Paris. Do do you have any other cocktail hub around the world that you really like? What? So this this year, for the first time, we went to, um, to Taipei and we were amazed as well because there was a lot of bar different again very um, very innovative uh, we really like hong kong we couldn't be there this year we were in hong kong last year and same the same the, the same is, is quite amazing and i think for that uh, everyone is inspired in fact in asia by singapore and you can see we were in a in bangkok booming scene as well kl we were in Ho Chi Minh, vietnam everyone is looking at singapore saying okay that's the direction we want to go and mm-hmm. that creates the trend. We need to go to South America, to be honest, because we know people there and we have only seen them during a guest shift. And we really want to go in their bar to discover better because it seems it's amazing too. So mm-hmm. we have a kind of a black hole in our map around the world. That's South America and we need to solve that quickly. In terms of uh, talking about Singapore, what do you think is that makes Singapore a progressive market. Is it like a variety of factors or is it perhaps the fact that opening a bar here is still a possibility for uh, someone with a limited budget? 
well, to be honest, I think Singapore is quite expensive, so mm -hmm. I'm not sure it's um, it's a limited budget, but I have the feeling that first, um, Singapore is supportive when you're talking about the government. The idea is, well, it's about business. That's, that's a business. And um, for Singapore, it's a destination. If you see how many people come to Singapore and how long they stay, most of the time people stay around one day and a half, two days. It's just short trip. So the more you have bars, so it becomes a destination. Restaurants, shows, everything. People are going to stay longer. And I think that's why the um, Singapore government support that, that, uh, that kind of initiative. For instance, we're discussing with people in Kuala Lumpur. It's a Muslim country, for sure. I wouldn't say that the government is really supportive if you want to uh, uh -huh. to open a bar. So that's part of the uh, that's part of the business. Singapore needs to be a destination, and cocktail is part of the is part of this trip. Yeah, you know what I find interesting is that like speaking with people like BJ and and, and you know the people from Live Twice and and the Jigger and Pony Group, it seems like opening a bar here for sure is not cheap. But compared to other cities like London, for instance, it yeah. seems to be more of a possibility. I mean, I had friends who like take years to find a property and, and they struggle to do so, right? Yeah, we were, we were, we were chatting about that with um, Alex uh, Kratina and, uh, and Monica, for instance. When uh, Alex uh, left the Artesian and they already had the idea of opening their own place and when you see the, the roadmap they have in mind at this time with um, Simone, they were supposed to open the year after that. But yeah, after discussion, they struggled to find the right place to have a li the license as well, and and it took longer than they have, they have they have planned originally. So yeah, in in that way, and that's the same for Paris because you have new laws regarding uh, alcohol control and so on. For sure, that's more complicated. Sure, uh, we talked about your uh, recent trip. Now let's talk about the man himself. You and your partner run this blog, but how did you start? How did you get into the beverage industry? In fact, so that's not our job. She's a creative, Mel is a creative director uh, in advertising and I work in digital. So we met in a, um, in a cocktail bar. So that was, oh, so we chat about cocktail and we can see that when we travel for work, most of the time during the day we have our client. At the end of the day, we work for our, um, for her at this time, London, for me, uh, Paris. Then you alone in your, uh, in your hotel room say, oh, I would like to um, socialize, see stuff. So you can walk around in the city, but at the end, both of us, without knowing that, we went to a bar, cocktail bars, and we have amazing times, thanks from the guy from the industry. So when we were chatting together, say, oh, we should find a way to uh, thank them. And at this time, I was a blogger about a digital transformation. Say, okay, let's set up a blog. We're going to highlight those amazing people. And then uh, we're thinking, okay, bars already done, cocktail already done. And at the end, if we like a place, we go because of the bartender. So let's do something about bartender. And that's how we start to interview bartenders from all around the world when we travel for work or when, like today, we are um, on holiday. It's part of what we do. And after that, we thought, okay, I work in digital. Instagram is important. So we need to open an Instagram account. And people know us because we only take photos from the top of the cocktail. That was an idea um, of mail. And then yeah, that's uh, going on uh, like that. That was the idea just to say, Thank you, guys. Thanks to you, we have amazing time. That was the that was the purpose of uh, of that. And how did the blog go? And uh, how did you go about growing it in size? Well, regarding to uh, the beginning, it's growing. It's going better and well, better and better. We have more and more views. What is funny, I think, it's the blog is the most important part for us because that's where we sit with bartenders, take an hour, asking questions, like just we do have have a conversation. And so that's how we know each other because they ask us questions as well. That's important for us, but it's a writing part. And I can see now that 
on the on social media people likes more videos photos that kind of stuff so let's be honest the blog is i think what well, i don't think i know the less uh, important part of uh, our digital ecosystem even if for us it's still important so we're thinking okay maybe should we change and Maybe not podcast because most of the time we travel and people doesn't speak English. So that would be an issue regarding mm -hmm. a podcast in English. So maybe a kind of video with, uh, which gonna summarize the whole uh, question we could ask usually. We keep that in mind. So blog is okay. And to be honest, it's way better on Instagram. Most of the people know, knows us through Instagram. Didn't know even we have a blog or for the YouTube channel or, uh, yeah, we have uh, thousands of views uh, every, uh, every month. So social media is a growing uh, need for bars nowadays. Uh, would you give any recommendation to bars who uh, are perhaps struggling with social media, generally speaking? I think that, yeah, you can't. I know a lot of people who, when they decide where they want to go, could be on holiday, but could be a bar or a restaurant, they look on social media. So if you not strengthen your game on social media, I think you're missing something. So I would say first, Just don't take um, crap photos or whatever. Take a little bit of time. Think about what you want to say. For instance, like it could be you have an, you have a kind of a calendar. Like today is going to be dedicated to a team, so it's going to be portrait for a team. Uh, this day is going to be about our cocktail. This day, because we are a community, is going to be about going to be about our neighbors in the same area who owns their uh, own bar as well. So think about what you do regarding uh, your editorial line. Think about the type of photo you want, because when you look, how going to look your photos. So if you can take each time the same kind of photos, it's going to create a landscape that will uh, look better. So it's going to be a, a mix about the way it looks and your editorial line. After that, it's about um, having um, followers. Most of the people, they say, yeah, can I take a photo of you or bartender? Just say, okay, guys, but can you photo, follow us at least? And that would be nice. Oh, I know bars, they do that. You're going to access to the Wi-Fi. To access to the Wi-Fi, you have to follow the Instagram account. That's a mini program. Aww. So it's, it, ma it makes the stuff grow. And I've, I think it's fair. You give a service. You give good time to the people. You give access to Wi-Fi. Well, it's payback. So it makes sense. In terms of follower base, uh, do you have any other recommendations for people in order to try to build their follower base? I think there is two stuff. You can work in a bar, but at the end, you're a, you're an individual. So you don't have to let the bar uh, social media take over you. I remember recently we were in London um, at uh, Artesian, and that was Anna Sebastian who, who was saying, yeah, I'm, prep I'm prepping a masterclass for uh, my team because right now they are in Artesian. That's a super well-known bar. So, of course, they are everywhere on social media. But when they're going to move, maybe they're going to become kind of less well-known. So, she organized a masterclass saying, you need to develop your own personal branding. And, and and I think for that, she's right. So, you have the bar, for sure. And that could be a support. But as a bartender, you need to develop your own presence. Because even maybe you won't stay in the same bar your whole life. And most of the time, that's the case. So, being well-known, showing you have followers, people knows you, that's going to help you to, for the next move on your career. So the bar for sure, but people first. We mentioned uh, about the fact that uh, you have no industry background in terms of, uh, of bartending. Uh, what is it? Just that, a client. Exactly. Which is a good thing. So most of the people who we have in, uh, on this podcast are bartenders and they give us a point of view, which is very bartender focused. So that's why we think that your specific point of view is very valuable. What is it that matters to you in a bar? And what is it that makes you fall in love with a bar? Okay. When we start to spend more time in bars, like more than 10 years ago now, I would say, we were kind of geeky 
and we were more focusing on what's inside the drink. Should be an amazing drink, something innovative, and so on, blah blah blah. Wow, we still love good drinks for sure, and it would be difficult for us to go in a place where we don't like the drinks. But at the end, if you have an amazing drink, but the people who serve you, they have a long face, they're not they're not kind or whatever. I prefer to have a less good drink, but have a better um, contact and uh, interaction with the person in front of me, the bartender. And that's why we create this blog. So it's going to be more about the full context, the experience. I think it's, there is more and more bars that we said before. And I think that you have your bar with your own personality, something different. So when you arrive, say, or you forget that your daily, uh, what you do on a, on a regular basis and you just to another place another time. And that's a real cut. So that's nice. Or, oh yeah, I like this personality of the bar, the design. I feel good. I have good interaction, maybe not the best drink, but if there's still the right level, that's what I'm looking for. And I think that's true because when we discuss with more and more people, you can see that, okay, drink is important, but even if it's an amazing one after three days, maybe I will forget about it. If I have a very good time in this place, I will remember that and I will send my friend. And I, I think it's the case for more and more people for that. I can see there is a change those last uh, four or five years, less geeky, more accessible to everyone to have good time. You mentioned something that I think it's uh, extremely valuable, which is the sense of escapism, meaning that you get into a bar to sort of detached from reality. What do you think are the elements that help a bar achieve this? Well, I think that's going to be uh, mainly first um, the design, because that's when you when you get in, that's the first stuff you can see. All the, as a sense, smell regarding memories, regarding help you to project anywhere, that's the strongest one. So I know, for instance, in London, when you go to opium, when you arrive, you have a Buddha for sure, but they put incense. So then automatically, you don't think you're in London. You feel incense, you think, I know this smell. Somewhere, that actually should be somewhere in Asia. So smell is important, design, and after that, that's how the, the team uh, work with you, ask what you want, interact, just make you forget where you are and just focus on the, on the present time. It's true. It sometimes is unbelievable how smell can be underrated, right? It's like uh, in Scout they burn this wood, and that, that that specific scent really really links with you. It's true. Eh? But that's 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 uh, that was the main idea of a Joe Schofield when he uh, first in first menu in uh, in Tipping Club. Uh-huh. That that was about like yeah, you can you you can smell. That's gonna bring you memories, and that's what you're gonna get in your um, in your cocktail. And because uh, I'm partly Vietnamese. For Vietnamese, the smell is very important. We always smell what we eat. I always smell my cocktail before I'm going to drink it. Fantastic. You mentioned uh, that uh, you and your partner come from different backgrounds. How did uh, these backgrounds help you shape your blog? Well, um, as I tell you, for instance, for Instagram, the idea of uh, taking only photos from the top, so having a very specific uh, presence, that's her idea. She's a creative director, so that's how she thinks the stuff. And same for taking photos, because she's always on shooting with um, models and so on. She's really precise, so even sometimes she argue with me, say, no, I don't like the photo you have taken, that there is a half of a millimeter on the left. We need to scratch this photo and put it back, so... For uh, the precision and the aesthetic, I would say that's her part. On my side, uh, I'm, a, I'm a consultant. I work with, um, with companies for a, so a presence on social media. So knowing how to run a blog, how to make it uh, well, famous is not the, the right term, but I know at, le- at least people know it exists. How you're going to use social media um, as a sandbox. So 
they're gonna have relay and you know you not you don't have the feeling that you're struggling alone behind your keyboard and no one reads or watch what you do so for that that's my job on daily basis so i know how to do that and yeah i don't like the term but people consider us as influencers i wouldn't say we're influencers but for sure people know us and because we are on social media and at the same time we are grounded with the industry but like i think there is a lot of misconception about what the word influencer means and it somehow it has picked up a negative connotation which i'm not really sure why because normally if you look at the original definition of influencers when you influence someone this person doesn't really know you have an influence on uh, him or her so in that way it's kind of sneaky people has the feeling that's uh, that's negative but For instance, uh, when I work with uh, my agency, influencers is the regular term to say people who are powerful in uh, their market, their industry, with a strong social uh, media presence. And that's the way it's called. But I don't know, because I've always the feeling that, um, for me, influencers drive back to um, social media. And I know people, they are super influential on social media, but they are not grounded to the market. Then they're just taking nice photos, they were at the right time, they're smart, but they're not related to market. I prefer to think that influencers are people like, for instance, bartender, I don't know. Um, Nico De Soto, when he bring Pandan, he influenced a lot of people around the world with the, with the Pandan mm-hmm. inside a drink. When you see the guys from the Clumsy, when they travel, at the moment there was a trend um, regarding Mastia. That's because they travel and bring this, um, this Greek liquor around the world that after that, you can you can find a lot of mastia everywhere in the world. For me, that's really influenced because it has a really impact on what you do on a regular basis. Taking nice photos, doing good interviews, I'm super happy and we are very uh, happy and proud to do that. But I don't think it's the same impact if you're talking about influence. That's why I'm not very comfortable with the word influence. Yeah, no, and I, and I see that. I think there's a, as a category, influencer is a quite broad one and there are a lot of different aspects to it, right? True. So we talked about uh, your uh, usual blog, but recently you have started something called 500 Best. What was the reasoning behind it and how did you go about creating it? Okay, so as I told you, the idea behind um, Le Cocktail Connoisseur was to highlight people. And But each time when we were discussing with bartenders, they were saying, yeah, we have the feeling that most of the time when it's about awards or ranking, it's always the same bars when you have thousands, hundreds of bars around the world. And regarding the way people vote, it could be sometimes political or have influence on it. So it's kind of a black box and we're not super comfortable with that all the time. So we thought um, about that and say, okay, let's try to answer to those two questions. This year I didn't work, so I have a little bit of time. And I say, okay, for me, the answer, maybe because that's, that's my background, is digital. You can see a lot of industry they are uh, now on digital transformation regarding data and so on. So I say, okay, let's try to do something to answer the first question would be, how are we going to show more bars than with our blog? Even if you travel the world, there is a lot of bar we don't know. So we get data about a cocktail bar from all around the world, thousands and thousands of data. And then we arrive to a database with thousands of bars. So, okay, we have a database, but honestly, just publishing a list of bars doesn't really make sense. So let's try marketing it a little bit. Okay, so let's see. There is a 500, uh, Fortune 500. Let's do top 500 bars. The most influential bar in the world. Doesn't mean that the best because best is very subjective. Mm-hmm. The most influential means like people talk about them in the industry, 
the customers, everyone. So first we say, okay, we're going to keep 500 bars. How are we going to rank them? That was the second question asked by the bartender. Say, okay, let's do something neutral. It means that all the data, all the people are going to be treated the same. So um, we create an algorithm who's going to rank all those thousands of data to um, create this top 500 bars uh, ranking. So that's why it's about influence, all the data. And after that, just to give you a little bit of idea of uh, how it works. For instance, if you have a blogger who usually blogs uh, about, I don't know, uh, shoes, dim sum, whatever. And this person falls in love with one of the bar near a place. She's going to write an article on the blog. That's going to be the only one about a, a cocktail bar. In the other end, so as a cocktail connoisseur, we publish only about cocktails, bartenders, bar. So then the algorithm will think, okay, maybe uh, this person who usually blogs about shoes, this person is not uh, really a great expert, so we take that into account. But the point of view of the cocktail connoisseur should be stronger because they know a lot about that. So I won't weight those data the same way. So there is the question of expertise. That's one stuff. The second stuff is the perimeter. If I am uh, I'm here uh, in Singapore and I'm, I am the um, Mandarin Oriotan bar and I have uh, an article on the local gazette, the algorithm will think, okay, that's a local gazette. They live there. Not easy, but makes sense. If you have an article in an international review where everyone is struggling to uh, get in to have an article, then the algorithm will think, okay, between something local and something international, that's not the same weight as well. And so that's the, uh, another component. And one of the last one is for us what we call the wisdom of crowd. Uh, it's something uh, regular in digital, meaning that, as the Americans say, we are smarter than me. If you have hundreds of people saying something, that should be smart compared to only one people, even if it's the biggest expert. So when we have, so that's why we work in 20 different languages. And that's why we have decided to think, okay, every opinion count. We use the ranking, all the ranking we can find, local, regional, international. We use the press, we use the influencers, but we never have the point of view of industry, meaning customers. So we try to work uh, with all the platform like Google, Foursquare, Yelp, and so on, and say, okay, Let's get, let's focus on that, how people use them. So we discuss around us and say, okay, how do you use that, guys? Well, we only, we only look at the first page. No one turns the page on the internet. So say the bar, so the bar you're gonna, gonna mention, it should be on the first page. After that, uh, if it's uh, on um, Foursquare, it needs to be more than 8.5. It's Google more, more than four and so on. So, okay, we take that into account as well. But most, the most important for us is if I go to google.com and in English, I put cocktail bars Hong Kong, I will have some result. But it's going to be a result from people like me who travel. If I use Google Hong Kong in Chinese, I will have different results. And those results will be the point of view of the locals. So people who go in bar on a regular basis to this city. So when we have the possibility to have uh, a local source in a local language, and even if, the, if there is an existing one, international English, we keep the local one because Every opinion counts, but the local one, that's the people who really go on a regular basis in those bars. So that's the one which is important for us. And because that's hundreds of people, that's where you have the wisdom of crowd. And we take that into account too. Plus, small of the stuff. So, but, so how does this specific thing work? Because this algorithm, does it take into consideration dimensions? Uh, you also talked about in depth right now about the quality of dimensions themselves. But for instance, should you have an international publication like, say, DeForce Guide, where they actively try a lot of bars, and they give a rank to that bar, would that 
keep into would your algorithm keep into consideration also the quality of the review or the mention we are to be honest for the for the moment we are, we're going to upgrade the, the algorithm we take that into account when it's about a ranking so if you were first of the ranking or you were I don't know, 98 for sure you won't you won't have it's not on, uh, about only being inside the ranking for the for most of the time for the journal so far we just keep the idea that you are uh, on the newspaper we need to change that and that's why we need to upgrade the algorithm because we have seen that um we there is an article about Mandarin oriental someone uh, on on the bar is interviewed so the 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 article is focused on Mandarin oriental but i don't know the journalist is going to ask hey guys uh, what kind of bar do you like? Where do you go when you uh, when you're off or whatever? You're gonna mention two or three of the bars here in Singapore, and that was that's why we want to change that for um, the algorithm. The mentions are the same strength in a way than Mandarin Oriental, mm-hmm. which is not fair because originally the article was about Mandarin Oriental. So we're gonna have to change that between what is a comment or just a mention or what is focus really on uh, on one bar. So. We still have stuff to uh, upgrade, but like for digital, like um, it's always run in progress, and we uh, we're gonna we're gonna change. But yeah, we we know we are trying to find a way as well to be able to um, to me- to measure in some reviews when they uh, rank the stuff. It's sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. So when it's not hundred percent sure, we just keep that aside and see. For instance, we try to use. Instagram in our um, algorithm, it's complicated to plug to Instagram. It's complicated to find, okay, what's the weight of Instagram compared to an article for a reason? So we st- still f- try to find the right balance though. Because we haven't found something we are happy with, we only use Instagram when we have uh, three bars, they're at the same level. And then, so okay, we open the Instagram account, we check with over um, uh, application, what's the interaction on their uh, Instagram page. Not only the number of followers, because there is a lot of people who are buying their followers, so we don't want that. So we use we use program who's going to check what's the interaction, who are the fake accounts who follow them, so maybe I've been bought. So that's the program who does that, not us. And then they, um, they give us a ranking for those three accounts, and that's how we're going to say, okay, this one is bar number 121, 122, 123. But we're going to add as well Instagram when we're going to find the right way to um, to uh, to uh, to measure but yeah when we're happy with this it's inside where we're not we still work on that and we're going to include that later seems like you're trying to process an enormous amount of data yes a lot well we have we have made the calculations so far we have we have worked for the first year for this first year with more than uh, 2000 different sources and i think we just we used to say because 100% of that sure of that that it's uh, between 20 and 50,000 of data as we have, uh, we have processed through that. And, and it's fair because at the end, uh, where we are very happy when we look at the res- of the result of the top 500 bars, you have 91 different cities, 46 different countries. So really, and that was the idea. One of, bar- of a bartender in, uh, in New York sent us a message on Instagram saying, hey guys, that's great, but can you do a list per cities? Because for people traveling, that's going to be easier instead of, Mm-hmm. scrolling all the ranking and say yeah makes sense gonna make, give us a little bit more word because we type ourselves the stuff on <laughs> online uh, on the website so, okay let's go do this ourselves and do that so yes we do we, this list and when people travel yeah they can find a list of bar but well, not everywhere but i think 91 cities around the world 
is, is, is still quite good. The idea is not to have all the cities. It's still a ranking, top 500. But yeah, if next year we have more cities or better stuff and we continue to add a lot of bars we, di we didn't have. And if I can just use a jigger to say that, guys, if you know bars anywhere you think they deserve to be in, maybe they are already in the database, they just didn't made it or maybe they're not, just send us the name of the bar, the name of the city, so we can add them in the database, and then they're going to be scroll to see if they, if they can make it. Because the more bar we have, the more it's going to be representative for all the people around the world. That's awesome. So there are a lot of uh, awards and lists at the moment. Uh, uh, every year there seems to be more and more. I'm sure that one of the criticisms that you might receive is the fact that do we need another list? Sure. So... In terms of your list, what do you think are the strengths of it and what do you think are the weaknesses? Okay, I think the weaknesses is we are the new one. So we have no money. We do not We do that on our spare time. I've been able to do that this year because I didn't work and I spent um, yeah, like a two-third time job on it. I won't be able to do that next year. We want to set up a ceremony because we know it's important for uh, the bartenders. So we're looking for sponsors. So, so far, regarding money, it's just us with our little fingers and um, and nothing else. So, we, we're not a big group. We're just people who love the industry and uh, try to uh, to move forward with that. So, that's our strength. It's about uh, the means, the money, and that kind of stuff. And we're still looking for sponsors for next year for the ceremony. I think our strength, whatever the number of awards, whatever the number of ranking existing, it's always on the same model. It's a pool of judge and... We are judge. We're judging for uh, for brands, uh, for different competition or, uh, or ranking. We we part of some of them, so we know how it works. But at the end, and that's why we create top five hundred. If it was another stuff from the industry for the industry, we're like, okay, it's already exists. There is already amazing uh, amazing is. But again, no one can go everywhere. No one can say, yeah, I visit all those bars. There is a lot of bar in top five hundred. We have never been or we have never heard before. There is one bar. It's in the um, suburb of Boston. It's in Woburn. It's in a Chinese restaurant in a mall. And when we saw that first, say, oh my God, the algorithm is losing the plots. <laughs> That's not possible. <laughs> and then one of our friends, Trevor Lott, say, oh no, I've heard about this bar. People take a Uber from Boston to go there and it's, it's super famous around there. So, okay, amazing. So what we do is showing more bar. That's our strength. We don't use... Uh, why we don't use people? It's not a, a pool of judges, so all the bar are judged on the on the on the same way. Could be better, could be uh, maybe not better, but at least it's neutral for everyone. Everyone is treated the same, and that's thing. And that's why I think there is a real difference because it's about every opinion counts, not only the industry, but customers, expert, everyone. And where is the, I can see a difference? There is bar I love. They don't have an amazing ranking. There is a bar we really don't like. They have a good ranking. I can see that some bars normally are not at all in ranking. But when you see the reviews, when you see what people say about that, because it's more uh, sweet drinks, long drinks, garnishes. But most of the people, they love that. And yeah, you can. Those those bar appears. And there is a lot of bar I know. They can have amazing ranking and some bartender said, yeah, they have won everything. Maybe they need, they, need, they need to win customers now because it's always empty. Though over bar, they're not well known at all. They fool every day people are queuing in front of those bars. That's not my type of bar. Most of those bars, yeah, for me, I'm more on the bitter side, short stirred um, drink, but it's an industry. Industry means money. Industry means customers. If those customers 
love those bars, maybe that's that's why they're they're in. So that's a real difference for us. We're not always looking for the last bar, the last geeky stuff. And as a person, maybe I would do that. But as a ranking, that's our strength. We use the data. It's neutral and it's every opinion, not only uh, experts from uh, from the industry. So that's a ranking for everyone, not just for the industry. So you mentioned an interesting point there, which I think uh, that there are bars that suit the industry very well and bars that suit consumers very well. And this is well known. However, um, I think that the more the industry progresses in terms of drinks and quality of drinks and innovation, the more this gap in between the consumer bar and the industry bar is getting is getting larger, right? Yeah. Would you agree with that? Or I think, well, in one hand, yeah, I would I would agree because um, it's become sometimes too technical for people, and they think like, oh my god, I don't understand what I'm reading or when I drink something. Uh, okay, maybe uh, there is some powder of the unicorn. What is that or whatever? But I can see there is another trend where people think, okay, I want to do something understandable something when we people drink they understand what they drink so i want to give the stuff more accessible to every um, to everyone and i remember when um now 12 years ago in paris there was only hotel bars and um, those guys from the ecc group experimental cocktail club group say okay we're gonna do good cocktails accessible to everyone that's what they did and when they're when they are this smart at this time people was getting out only drinks moritos that was the drink in uh, in paris so they said okay we're gonna serve all cuban and when people come and ask for moritos gonna say look guys we're gonna do something very close for morito try it if you don't like it we do a morito if you like it maybe it shows that there is other possibilities and they did that and everyone was like oh my god it was discovering uh angostura bitters and so on and the rum and oh my god it's amazing that's the best morito i've ever drank well, it's not a morito but or when we are friends, we only uh, drink um, uh, gin tonic. Say, so, uh, do you want to try like kind of a Tomkin or something like that? And then just a bit of simple syrup, lemon. But for them, oh my God, that's the best gin tonic. And I think there is more and more bar we're trying to say, okay, we want to do good cocktails, but more accessible to the public. And you can see cocktails are more and more trendy. Everyone talks about cocktails. That was um, when a big uh, newspaper last year in December saying the dish of the year is a cocktail. So it becomes more and more trendy. And I think people, if it's open and accessible, want to say, okay, I want to try, I want to discover. And that's why there is new places like uh, we talk, we were talking about No Sleep Club, but that's the same. In London, you have, you have a place called uh, Fair. In Paris, there is a new place just op- open at free, which has never happened before, um, called um, the Cambridge. That's where you ha- can have people, they can come to have a coffee, they can have to uh, nibble something, they can try some drinks, easy drinks, easy to sip, and then that's kind of educational, you have a learning curve, and then people say, oh, I didn't know that, you l- you meet other people that was only there for the cocktail, we would never meet the one from the coffee, so I think it opens the sandbox for everyone, and that's going to make this stuff more accessible, and then... That's kind of, I don't know who's going to win between more geeky or more accessible, but you can see right now the industry is kind of going those two points. Maybe people will grow up a little bit. The industry is okay, don't be too geeky, and they're going to they're gonna jump together. somewhere in the middle, right? Yeah. yeah, I think you need people to push the boundaries in order to move the boundaries forward, right? Um, True. It's just that uh, sometimes it's a bit saddening to see some of the bars that I love. Uh, they, they, As you said, they, they struggle with footfall, you know? It's difficult to feel a bar that is incredibly innovative, right? 
on a regular basis, like it's uh, no more and more bar open six days a week, seven days a week, having people every day. Yeah, that's yeah, filling up a bar on a Tuesday is very, very complicated, yeah, right? Indeed. Cool. Um, a little bit of uh, about uh, your uh, blog and how you became a blogger. If uh, any person was thinking about starting their own blog right now, like had the idea but didn't know how to do it, what kind of recommendation would you give to them? First, you have to understand that. It's not a 100-meter race. It's a marathon. It takes a lot of time if you try to do something uh, quality. Like for, I can say, for instance, uh, so I'm not talking about top 500 bars, but just for a cocktail connoisseur, I think every week it takes us between a man and I five or six hours per week. So recording the interviews, typing on, taking the photos, do the stuff, going to some bars. So I'm not talking when we get out to bars to have fun. Just focusing on the blog bar, five or six hours. So do that. It's not a lot, but every week, and we post, uh, yeah, interview of bartenders every week except like a Christmas break and in summer. So like more than I would say if we have 40, 45 interviews per uh, per year. So that's that's a lot, and that's a marathon as well, because at the beginning, no one knows you, and if you look at uh, your stats on the blog or your Instagram account, you're going to be, oh my God, I spend so much time and no one knows about me. So it could be very hard for uh, your moral and your mindset at the beginning. But And that's thing, that's why it's important to be grounded with the subject and with the people you're going to interact regarding your, the topic of your blog because at least they know about you. You have some feedback. Say, okay, maybe I don't do that for nothing. They will, they're going to talk about you to other people. So that's going to create this uh, ripple um, effect. But yeah, be patient. At the beginning, it's difficult. Maybe you're going to struggle to find your own style. So no rush. Just think about, okay, what, I'm, what, I, what do I want to, to say? How do I want to do it? Think about it on a paper. And when it's done, start to do it. Stick to it. Don't change your editorial line every week because you have the feeling you're going to have more people. Stick to the stuff. It's a long-term uh, project. Well, I'm curious to hear because you guys, uh, as uh, you are, you have your own jobs, right? Yeah. And how do your colleagues, like yours and my colleagues, perceive what you're doing on the side? Are they aware of it? Or yeah, they're all aware of it. Uh-huh. And well, at the end, in uh, our job, I would say, like Mel, when the, um, it's about, uh, so she worked for the uh, advertising industry. If uh, there is a client for the for the agency who's gonna be uh, a spirit any brand, they're going to say, Mel, do you have an idea how we can do that? And they're going to say to the client, you know that one uh, one of our, in our team, she's uh, she's half of the cocktail connoisseur, she's you know, very well the industry. That's going to be the same for me when I work on, on, on digital, we organize stuff with um, influencers. When we have to propose something to a client, same, they're going to say, look, I'm not just any kind of guy. I know this industry, this is what I propose, I can touch. This kind of bartenders, if it's interesting for you, this kind of influencers, because they're part of my personal network. So it's not all our job because um, uh, bar industry um, spirits is only a small percentage of our um, daily work. Um, uh, Mel was more on a luxury and that kind of, of stuff. I will more, uh, I've been more working with B2B uh, brands, but when it goes that way, yeah, it's, uh, it's and I can see all a colleague or all my colleagues and friends when they travel. Like, guys, can you give us some address of restaurants of bar because you spend your life in bars and restaurants? So we just and that was the idea as well for the top five hundred. Why are you asking? 
Let's do something that, that everyone can see. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, you just created a list so you don't have to, to type messages <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Copy paste. <laughs> no, but it's awesome. I think our industry, like, we have gone through a period of time where uh, things like uh, uh, Time Out magazine and all those things were very, very important. We received a lot of feedback from our customers. And then we have created this amazing system of self-recognition, which is the world systems, you know. But somehow during like the long period of time they've been running because now I, I don't know what taste of the cocktails what is it 10 years 10 11 years yeah 10 11, I think it was 10 years last year and yeah. and that's the same one or two years ago for uh, for World 50 but but I I think it's amazing you have to start from one point and exactly, that this time yeah. I remember for uh, yeah Tears of World 50 the first ceremony there was 20 people when uh, for uh, World 50 you look at Amish the first list of judge was they were mainly in London and so on so well they were they was pioneer and you have to try do better and that's that's great. Those people uh, exist, so that's that's great. And no, it's continue thanks to you guys with uh, Angie Girls Podcast. There is more people talking about the industry, so it's a whole global ecosystem where everyone trying to um, to give something. And that's what we did, and we continue to do with the blog, and we try to even move forward with the with top five hundred. Fantastic! Looking forward to get more uh, consumer focused uh, material out there. You know, because I think it's. It's very, very important to get this sort of feedback directly from the industry, directly from the people who actually spend money in your bar, right? Well, that's that's the balance for us. Should be consumer, but as I told you, we take we take all the rankings, so that's the industry, all the point of view of journalists, influencers, because we go through blogs and uh, and press it just like yeah. Let's put at the same level. Well, regarding what I said before, regarding perimeter expertise, the point of view of everyone to try to nothing is perfect, but having the closest stuff and neutral stuff we can produce for uh, the industry. You live in Paris? How's the bar scene there for you? I think, so, for for a very long term, Paris, they were focusing on uh, London, saying, yeah, we need to be like London. And they have to struggle. And at the time, they was going closer and closer from London. But I think right now, well, there is one main difference, hotel bar. Hotel bars everywhere, mainly London, New York, they rock. It's palace bar, but at the same time, people know how to speak differently to people. It's just not being super straight and yeah, you can say nothing. In Paris, for except one exception, there's just a new hotel bar just uh, reopen. Yeah, when you're in a hotel bar, not great drinks, service super stiff. So they're out of the game completely. I hope it's going to change like this, um, that's this new um, hotel bar at, uh, at Lutetia. But I think Paris was going better and better compared to the rest of the world or other cities in Europe. But I have the feeling that since this year or maybe um, last year, there were people traveling more and more in Asia. And as I told you before, for us, Asia is the future of the industry. And I can see even people from London came back and said, oh, guys, you were right. We went to Singapore. We went to Hong Kong. Oh, my God. They work, all work with Rotova. They do this. They do that. We need to wake up, and I think this year London, compared to Paris, has already started to um, to wake him up. When you see the level of the of the menu, what what did uh, Remy Savage at the uh, at the Artesian with the two taste only uh-huh. and the, in the stuff, or uh, it's moving on. I think Paris right now it's still always on the same style. They don't try to do something very different, and I hope they're gonna wake up a little bit like London to uh, to move forward because otherwise. They're going to step back more and more. You can see now there is 
a lot of well, you Italian, Michele, a lot of Italian people who have traveled the world, they're now coming back in Italy. And you can see the change for Rome, from Milan, all those Italian bartenders who have learned a lot everywhere and now say, I want to do the same in my own country, same in Barcelona. All those cities were not on the industry map at all few years ago. So now the competition is bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, Paris needs to be a shake up a little bit. Yeah, I think that the the trend with those bars is decentralization. So we've got these big hubs and I, I can see like, for instance, Barcelona, we have Simone Caporalo just announced that they would like to open a bar there. I mean, he's planning to open a bar in 2020. So yeah, like the the world is becoming more and more uh, like... But it's good. Bar savvy. It's very. It's good. good. Like wherever you are, you can you can you can you can find a good bar, and it makes it, it, it makes it, it makes sense for Simone. He has a he has a place there, so he's always between London, Barcelona, and uh, and Seoul for uh, for business. So yeah, but he loves Barcelona. That's where he spent a lot of time. So opening some something here here yeah makes sense for him. I'm happy if he can do that. I would just, we are in Barcelona on a regular basis because it's not too far from Paris, so that's going to be amazing. <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, I think it's uh, it was a nice conversation. I think it's time to wrap it up. Quick question I ask everyone. If you could choose your very last drink, what would that be? Uh, I think on my side, because I always do that when we go in a bar, we try from the menu to respect full people work hard. But if you want to see the level of the bar, we try one classic. For male, I'm quite sure that would be a very dry martini, gin martini. That would be her last drink for sure, 100%. And uh, for me, I think that would be a Vieux Carré because I'm really fond of whiskey. I like cognac as well. And I think Vieux Carré with the Benedictine, you have all this herbal flavor at the same time. I think that would be a Vieux Carré, yeah. It's a mega drink. I love Vieux Carrés. <laughs> cool. Thank you very much for your time, Anthony. It was awesome to talk to you. Thank you for having, uh, for having me. It was a pleasure. And thanks again. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Le Cocktail Connoisseur. We are unjigged underscore media on Instagram and you can follow our personal accounts at mmariotti89 for Michele, Alex J. Murphy for myself and Adrian Bessa for Adrian. Thank you for listening.